Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and I got my co-host Matt here with me. As always, we are here to break down the New York Jets schedule for 2022 that officially was just released uh, not but a little over an hour ago. We had some leaks throughout the day, but the full schedule has finally come out and we are ready to break things down with the biggest storylines of the Jets coming season. Matt, I know we're going to start things off in Baltimore with the home opener and then three other AFC North opponents right after that. But how are your uh, what's your early opinions on this schedule and what are your thoughts for heading into next year how this is going to turn out well i mean it doesn't start out easy at all there's a lot of hard games uh towards the top of this this season um we're gonna find out very quickly what kind of team this is uh because they're gonna have to show up every single game every single week against some top flight teams uh, you got the returning uh super bowl uh representative of the afc with the Bengals. you got the Ravens right up front, the week one. These are not easy games. Even the winnable games aren't easy games. No. Uh, it's going to be real tough. Uh, I Before the, the schedule started leaking out, my ideal uh, scenario for the early part of the season had the Browns and Pittsburgh towards the, the front of, of the schedule. So I do get my wish uh, in having that. I didn't think we would have the entire AFC North, but uh, I do think it's nice that we have those two there um, with the uncertainty around uh, the quarterback situation for the Browns. Is it going to be Watson? Is it going to be Mayfield? Who knows? But even even if it is Mayfield, he doesn't want to be there. So you're going to have a quarterback who doesn't want to play. And then you'll have a quarter. If it's Watson, uh, then you have a quarterback that hasn't played in in a year, uh, only playing his second game. So there's some uncertainty there. And then the, that quarterback uh, controversy goes even further in Pittsburgh. Is it going to be Trubitsky? Is it going to be Pickett? Uh, I wouldn't mind facing either of them, a rookie quarterback or, or Trubitsky. I think both of those situations not bad options, are favorable. No. Uh, what no, what not do you bad think? Options. No, I, um, I feel the same way. Uh, you had mentioned it a little bit earlier with the AFC North as a whole, but that is exactly what the Jets' schedule is to open the year. Uh, week one, they play the Baltimore Ravens at home. Week two, they're going to Cleveland to play the Browns. Week three, they are home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And then week four, they are heading to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. That's the entire AFC North right out the gate <laughs> in their first four games. And the AFC North is a serious division. It got even better this year, as we've seen uh, with the offseason moves. We know Cincinnati's dangerous. The Steelers are always good because Tomlin's a great coach. The Ravens are the pinnacle of consistency in the NFL from since the second they've been, you know, in the league uh, and incepted as a franchise. So this is going to be a tough slate of games, but I'll tell you what, Matt, I really like this for the Jets perspective, because like you said, we're going to find out who they are really early. And I think it's really important for the team as a whole, when you're going into a, a second year of a head coach and a second year of a quarterback in his second year, you're trying to jumpstart what you did after your first year. The first year you're installing new things. There's, you know, the rookie hiccups from Salah's first year as a coach, Mike uh, LaFleur's first year as a coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich's first year as a coordinator. There's a lot of new, there's a lot of growing pains that they had to work out of. Now it's year two. Now it's time to put up or shut up. Now you're comfortable. You're not getting, you know, you're past the growing pains. It's time to get comfortable get into a situation and start winning some games. So this is really huge for me because the Jets are not going to be handed anything easy. They're going to have to earn their wins early on in the year. And they're going to know all summer, as we were just talking about before we started recording that all summer, they're going to know 
we got to be on our P's and Q's. We got to take this stuff serious. We got to be putting in the work as much as we can because we got a really serious opponent right out the gate week one, and it doesn't stop until practically the bye week. Their first nine opponents are all potentially dangerous teams that they very likely will be the underdog in in every single game that they play until they're by. This is a tough start, but it's really important for a young team that's hungry and full of talent to face adversity up front, see how they can handle it. And if they can get through the first four games, one and three, two and two, sneak a win here and there, or at the very least look competitive against some really, really good AFC North teams, then I think it's going to set them up really well for the end of the season when the schedule gets lighter and we're going to start to see them hit their stride as the year goes on. But I think this is a lot better than having a young team that's full of a bunch of talent and giving them a cupcake early and letting them build up their confidence for false hope. And then the real season starts going and they realize that they were frauds. I would much rather have them get hit in the mouth early and give them the opportunity to crawl back from it. Absolutely. For the first 10 games, I'm looking for around three to four wins at yep. most. Uh, and you really don't know where they're going to come from. Uh, I don't think anybody had us beating the Bengals last year, especially with Mike White as our quarterback. So anything can really happen in any of these games. Uh, and that was with a far worse team. I think we've all uh, come to the conclusion that our team got better this offseason. Uh, I, I can't think of a single starting hole on offense uh, and even fewer uh, and even fewer holes on, uh, on defense. So it's the team that's got a lot going for them right now. If we can stay healthy, and I hope that we're relatively healthy for the start of the year, uh, and we're really going to need that health to, to get by some of these teams. Uh, because these teams are a lot better and a lot deeper. Uh, but while at the same time, we still have the talent to, to compete if we're on our game. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we can maybe squeak out three or four, uh, but maybe that's just the optimist to me. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to be tough. I would say four is the high bar. Any more than that would be overachieving quite honestly um go through the first 10 games obviously we went through the first four of the afc north after that they are home against the dolphins their first division game then they go at green bay to take on the packers stay on the road and head to denver to take on the broncos in week seven week eight they're back home they get new england at home and then week nine they're home again against the buffalo bills for back-to-back division games there's uh their buy is week 10 and then week 11 they go to new england to take on the patriots so that is a tough 11 first games, let alone 10 uh, factoring in the bye week, but having that bye, I think this is a good topic to shift over to the bye. That bye is huge. This is a great buy for them. Week 10. It's pretty much right in the middle of the season. Um, I would prefer it to be a little later on than a little earlier in the middle. Um, You give your guys some chance to get into football shape. A lot of players, you'll hear them talk. They don't want an early buy because they're just starting after the first handful of games to get back into the swing of playing. They get back into the the playing shape, as they call it, and they're used to the contact, and they're in the middle of the season, and their bodies are built for it. Then you have to take that two-week break, and it can kind of interrupt all the progress you just made. This is going to be good. It's going to be just to the point where the season's starting to wear a little bit. You're past the halfway point. You're getting towards the final stretch, and the Jets are going to get some really nice rest heading into the lighter part of their schedule. Uh, To go ahead and round out the rest of the games here, we already said, after the bye, they're going to New England. Then they are home against the Bears. They go to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. They go to Buffalo to take on the Bills for the second time. They are home against the Lions, 
home against the Jaguars on Thursday night. And the last two games are at Seattle and at uh, at Miami and a much, much easier slate at the end. And oh, so yeah. I think like you're saying, if you can get out of the first 10 games with three or four wins, you might be able to sneak out five or six within the last, you know, seven games and really come out on top and put yourself in a position to maybe squeak in for a wild card. But it's going to be tough. Overall, I think it's going to be tough getting in with the amount of talent in the AFC. But they have an opportunity. The schedule does not preclude them from having no shot whatsoever. And I think that week 10 buy is going to be a huge, huge help. Yeah, I, I was just looking. I, was, I For a second, I was like, oh, wait, we got the Patriots after the buy. Uh, do they have a buy as well before that week? Uh, but it looks like they do. So no favorable bounce there. Uh, that, that would have been nice if uh, we had a little extra time mm-hmm. to, to prepare for Patriots a week and uh, have them come up short. Uh, but that is not to be. Uh, and how about primetime games? I think we only have one, that Thursday yep. night game against the Jaguars. Uh, so I actually consider that a win. <laughs> because I don't think we really play very well in primetime games. We Historically not, late. no. No, so, not lately. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, we got a lot of friends overseas, uh, and that helps them out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to our friends in the UK uh, and anywhere else overseas that don't have to stay up until the ungodly hours of the morning to watch a Jets game. Um, so very happy for them. Um, yeah, this is... With primetime games, it's interesting because you're going to have teams, regardless of how good they are, that are always going to get primetime spots because they're historic franchises and they've been in the NFL since its inception. So that's like teams like Chicago, teams like the Giants, teams like the Packers. Um, The 49ers were good for a long time. They're going to get their shine. The Patriots dynasty for their time with Brady. They're going to get publicity because of that. Obviously, you have the teams that are talented now with stars like Kansas City. Um, you're going to see a lot of LA Chargers games be in primetime soon. So for the Jets in particular, they have to earn their primetime games. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be until they're good enough and they're, the matchups that they're playing are going to be worth warranting primetime spots until they start getting those games. Um, I've seen a lot of people today upset on Twitter about that, and I understand you know, wanting your team to be viewed in a more favorable light. But personally, I, I don't really care. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much. I understand that the reason the giants get more primetime games than the jets, even though the giants are just as bad is because the giants are a historic franchise more so than the jets like it or not. So I can, I can live with that. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. What I definitely, definitely would rather focus on is not only um, their bye week that we just talked about, but the easy end of the schedule that we alluded to. Those last four games are going to be either the springboard into a very, very hopeful 2023, either the the stepping stone that gets you into the playoffs, or it's going to be the last four games that tell us the Jets may be doing this all over again in the rebuild department very, very soon. Um, if they don't walk out of home against the Lions, home against the Jaguars on Thursday night at Seattle and at Miami with at least three and one. That's a failure. In my opinion, but oh, you should yeah. win. You should win at least three of those four games. If not go four and O to close out the year. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Matt, but do you remember what happened the last time the jets ended the year in Miami? Um, if I remember correctly, you know, I'm done. I can't even try. Just tell me. Geno Smith had a perfect passer rating 
threw for oh, 358 wow. yards and three touchdowns and the Jets won. Wow. And guess what? We get to play him again in the on week, uh, the week, week, the week right before. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so maybe a little stage. Geno magic will rub off on the Jets when they go back to Miami the next week. And we'll see Jack, Zach Wilson in his second season, closing out the year in Miami. We'll see if he can put up a, a performance similar to Geno and the Jets can walk out with a win. But regardless, these last four games, like I said, they really need to come out of this strong. If they go two and two or God forbid one and three to close out the year, people are going to be on the hot seat. Yeah, it's not a good look. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we need to come out of this this final stretch of the season looking good, having the players and the coaches in a place where they can comfortably say that they have improved as a team. Uh, because there's a lot of high hopes going into this year. Uh, not, I haven't seen a single person look at the, the this Jets team and been like, and eh, you know what, they're, they're probably going to be a bottom five team again. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking for that that uh, step up, and we this is the time to prove it uh, against uh, teams like the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Jaguars, and the Lions. Uh, and even and I, I kind of like the placement of that Thursday night game because uh, it's right smack in the middle of two of maybe uh, our preconceived uh, uh, notion of, uh, of of weak teams with the, yep. the Lions and the Jaguars. So if we're going to have a short week. I would like to be playing the Jaguars. And oh, then yeah. afterwards, uh, we get a little bit of a of an extra break to, to go out west to Seattle right. for our only game on in the Pacific time zone. Right. The uh, longest road trip they're going to have. They have yep. a little extra rest, a little extra time to prepare right before. It's really useful. It's very useful. And I think it's uh, in years past, this Jets team has been flying all over the place. Uh, God, yeah, they've they've spent so much time on on planes, uh, but this year they're near the bottom in travel distance, uh, mm-hmm. and only having one game in the in the Pacific time zone and not leaving the the continent uh, sure helps a lot. Uh, so things are are, are set to, for an exciting season here, uh, and they have a lot to live up to. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, you had mentioned the light travel miles overall is something that the Jets are not used to, but they really got a break this year. They really don't. Seattle is the farthest trip that they have to make. They had that extra rest beforehand. It's the only time, like you said, they're going into the Pacific time zone. Um, they only have two instances of back-to-back road games all year, uh, or three, excuse me, I think. One of those is at Minnesota and then at Buffalo. So you go to Minnesota, you come home, Buffalo is a real short trip. That's, you know, a road game for sure, but it's not a road game in the sense of travel and distance and time and body schedules and all of that being messed up. That's not too far of travel whatsoever. So they really only have not counting that Buffalo game in terms of travel two back-to-back road trips. And the only one that's really difficult, difficult travel wise is at green Bay followed by at Denver. But Neither of those are going too, too far west. You have the week in between, and you've had some time at home beforehand, and I'm pretty sure they get back-to-back home games right after. So this is a really easy schedule travel-wise, but it makes it a lot easy on the team not going to have to sleepwalk, get caught in games where their bodies aren't ready. Uh, multitude of factors, making, especially on top of that, injuries. Like All that extra travel 
and all that rehab, uh, it's really tough to stay in shape when you're having to bounce all over and not be at your home facilities as often. So that's going to help them with rehabbing wise. Um, was it two years ago that they had like a month period where they went back and forth across the coast every week? Yeah, it was horrific. Uh, it was I, yeah. It was like a four or five game span where every other week they were making cross country flights, and it was insanity. Yeah, the schedule gods haven't been kind to us uh, in years past, uh, no. but this year I, I think it's starting. The clouds are starting to part. The sun is finally shining through. Uh, I always look at at stadiums. I don't want to be going to late in the year. Like I don't want to be going to Buffalo. Uh, yeah. late December, early January. Uh, I don't want to be going to New England uh, late Don't December, want to be going to Green Bay at that time either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know where I want to be going in late December, early January? Uh, Miami. <laughs> I want to go to Florida. Uh, and that's where we're finishing things off. Uh, Spoken like a true New Yorker, Matt. Yes, uh, uh, that's exa- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and uh, let's see, we, we've got Detroit at home, Jaguars at home, even Seattle's, that's uh, that's an indoor stadium, right? I, I believe they have a, a roof. Uh, yeah, I think they have a roof, but it mainly stays open. It mainly stays open, but hey, you never know. Uh, and then uh, Minnesota also inside. So we, we've got a lot of uh, favorable weather uh, stadiums, uh, yeah. mostly uh, late in the year. Uh, I, I think that will help a lot, even though I feel like this team is built to, to withstand weather games. Like if we get into a game like the, the Patriots and the, and Buffalo had the, in a, that's yeah. in the snowy conditions and it's just who runs the ball the best. Uh, I think we're in a favorable position to do that this year with our offensive line and uh stable of running backs. So I'm not afraid of that if it happens, if we go, if there's an early snowstorm in Buffalo uh, or if the roof's open in Seattle and it starts raining or snowing, uh, I'm okay with it. I think we, we have a team that can finally uh, uh, stand, step up to the plate. Yeah, I think so too. Um, the one thing that I will say about this schedule overall, because when it comes to, you know, the schedule and it's release and all of that, what matters always so much more is the teams they're actually going to be playing as opposed to when they're going to play them and which is one at home and which is one at away. It doesn't nearly matter nearly as much as the actual opponents themselves. That said, outside of the actual opponents themselves, every major problem that they could have been given with the schedule, they avoided. They have yeah. a solid bye week that's not too late, not too early. It's about right where you want it. They have a primetime game. That is a short week with an early opponent beforehand and then rest before they have to take a long road trip. They don't have a ton of travel miles. They don't have a, a huge, you know, four game road stretch where they're you not know, going to be home for a long period of time. All of the little minor things that can create issues that have a varying degree of impact overall on how things work out. All of those little things aren't going to affect the Jets this year when they have affected them in the past and other reasons may have affected them for losing, you know, well more than those, but it's one less excuse they don't have. And I think that's a really important thing for this team. We can't keep making excuses. No, we can't keep just, Oh, it was the injuries. Oh, it was the quarterback. Oh, it was Gase. Oh, it was McCagden's drafts. Oh, it was Idzik. It was, you know, down the line and down the line and down the line and down the line and down the line. We can go on, on and on and on all day long. But at some point, you have to stop making excuses and you have to succeed. 
So you've been given, at least in my memory, this is the best opportunity the Jets have had to be successful in many, many years. At least, at least since 2015, at least. Mm -hmm. And 2015 was a surprise to a lot of people. Let's be real here. 2015 was, was not a year that many expected the Jets to win 10 games and be fighting for a playoff spot. You know, that was Todd Bowles first year. Geno Smith was, you know, we're wondering if we have what we have. And then the whole jaw fracture thing happened. And it was more about Ryan Fitzpatrick capitalizing with Eric, uh, with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker that led them to that uh, season with Todd Bowles defense behind it. There was not, there's expectations this year that they didn't have on them last that, that year. They're expected to be a seven-win team, an eight-win team. I think 500 should really be the expectation. I know they're over-under right now, according to Vegas, is five and a half. And I know I've seen a lot of people. Uh, I think I saw something today. I'll that take said that, that over. I, the Jets over five and a half is the most betted on over in the NFL right now. Like 43% more people have bet on the Jets over than the next highest. So yeah. it's. <laughs> I expect that line to increase soon. And it will get up from 5.5 probably to 6.5 or, or 7 maybe. Maybe they'll call it like a flat, like 7.5. I'm not sure. But the expectations are going to be there. The excuses are basically none. It's all going to fall on the results now. And when I say results, it's really important to remember that it's not always going to be statistical. Where if the Jets are competing and they're in every single one of their first four games against those tough AFC North teams until the very, very end, but they go 0-4, I'm not going to feel nearly as bad as if they go 0-4 and and get blown out every game. But you need to see those increases. You need to see them taking the next step, and this schedule gives them the opportunity to do that. Uh, Matt, I think the good way to close this out would be to do a quick little preview look ahead breakdown, as I'm sure we'll do more and more as the the summer goes on here. But why don't we take a look ahead to week one and do a little preview of Baltimore? Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So why don't you go ahead and start off? What's your biggest key? uh, Baltimore overall offense or defense doesn't matter. Just what's the first thing that jumps out to you about taking on the Ravens? Uh, we got to stop the run. <laughs> They've got yep. a lot of firepower there uh, in their Bingo. running game. Uh, they did trade away Hollywood Brown, uh, are, they're their best the wide receiver. Uh, and all they really have to really make up for that is Bateman and Andrews, uh, which are very good receiving options. Uh, but that's not how they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us on the ground. Uh, can we contain them? <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we we did build a lot of tools on this defense in the offseason, uh, kind of gearing up to uh, stopping the run when it comes to Whitehead and Reed. Uh, these are two guys in the secondary that I believe will help a lot uh, when it comes to uh, defending the run. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we need their speed to, to hang with guys uh, like Jackson and, and Dobbins. Because these are, these guys will run over us if we can't contain them, uh, so that's uh, going to be key. But the biggest key is really scoring. We need to put them in a position where they can't run the ball. Yeah, we need to score enough points where they're on their heels and they're forced to do something they don't want to do, which is have to step back and and throw the ball uh, forty times a game. Uh, so if we can do that, if we can put them on their heels and, and get into a shootout with them, 
Uh, I consider that a win. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I could not agree with you more. First and foremost, stop the run. Uh, and that was the biggest issue for the Jets last year. And now we're going to find out really, really, really fast if they improved or not. Because there's, I'm not sure there's a team I'm scared of running the ball more than the Ravens. It's them or the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Like uh, those are those are the two for me where their run games are so diverse and so talented. Uh, their offensive lines are so good. Their play callers are so good. Their backs are so good. And then you factor in with the Ravens, you got to factor in their quarterback where he's such a a running threat by himself that it's not even so much just about stopping their running backs. You got to stop Lamar too. And he takes another guy into your defense that you have to account for. Uh, It's just going to be a a really tough task for them defensively stopping this run game. But you're right. The best way to stop it is to get out to an early lead and to take that option away. If the Ravens can't do what they always do, which is get out to their early lead, let their defense play play their defense and then do ball control with the run game on offense, you know, you're going to have to force Lamar to throw. And I think Lamar is plenty talented, but without Hollywood Brown, a lot is going to be on Rashad Bateman. If the Jets secondary now with the corners that they have in sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, if one of the two or both of them can do a good job covering Bateman, now you just got to stop Andrews. Yeah. Which easier said than done, of course, but you have other ways to do that. I think this is why you sign Jordan Whitehead because he can be a guy that can match up on tight ends that are main receiving weapons like that. And he can take away tight ends over the middle or shallow while still being a factor in the run game and being a player in the box. That's going to be effective against their run game as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a huge game for him. And I'll tell you who else I think it's going to be a huge game for Quincy Williams, because I think he's your Lamar spy. I would rather, yeah, I, again, just looking at it from this aspect, whoever is spying the quarterback is usually not going to be making plays and coverage because their eyes are going to be on the quarterback and that's going to be their responsibility. So who do I want covering and who do I want spying? I want someone with speed spying so they can keep up with Lamar Jackson and make having the spy actually worth it. And I would want someone who maybe isn't the best in coverage so that we're not taking one of my best cover guys out of their coverage responsibilities. I would rather have Jordan Whitehead covering Mark Andrews and I would rather have him spying Lamar Jackson. And I would rather have Quincy, uh, Quincy Williams spying Lamar than I would rather have him covering Andrews. So if it's between those two, I think it makes the most sense for Quincy to be the spy. And I think you can formulate a solid defensive plan to contain them. If you can stop the run inside. I'm going to take a, a different yeah, opinion on that though. Because when I think of Quincy, I think of him as a heat seeking missile. He's fired out of a cannon going downhill uh, and lo- wants to annihilate ball, uh, ball carriers. But when you're dealing with a guy like Jackson, this is a guy who is extremely shifty, who's yes, very is. athletic. And I kind of want somebody a little bit more athletic uh, that's a little bit more controlled in his attack spying him. I'm thinking Whitehead. I think Whitehead would be the perfect spy. Uh, he has that athleticism and the ability to change direction. Uh, and I believe he's, uh, done very well against Jackson in the past. I believe I saw some clips of him handling Jackson or, or at least another running back with, uh, with great athleticism. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Whitehead as my spy. I could listen. Jordan Whitehead is probably a better spy than Quincy Williams. But do you want Quincy Williams covering Mark Andrews as a result? 
Yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. That's why I listen. If it's who's the better spy, I'm taking Whitehead. Mm-hmm. Who's the better cover guy? I'm taking Whitehead 100 out of 100 times. Oh, absolutely. So lesser of two evils in my eyes is Quincy has the speed. He has the aggression. He has the trigger to where as soon as Lamar gets outside of the tackle box, he's going to be able to come downhill. You're hoping he makes the tackle. You're hoping he wraps up and you're hoping Lamar doesn't just juke him out of his shoes. But if that is the case, Lamar is just as good at juking other people out of their shoes as anybody else. And what's the point of keeping Whitehead into spy when Lamar isn't going to run if he can just throw to a wide open Andrews? I hear you. Well, how about this? Maybe these aren't the only two options also. I feel no, like I don't think they are, but just a, in a base sense. Yeah, in a base sense. Uh, because maybe they just bracket Andrews. I mean, they don't really have much other than him and, and Bateman. Uh, so maybe they can just throw extra resources Andrew's way. Uh, if we're really expecting sauce to be the shutdown guy, maybe we put him up against Andrews. Uh, cause I actually worry more about Andrews than I do about Bateman. Uh, maybe yeah. Reed can handle Bateman by himself and have sauce cover their best receiver for expecting him to be that, that guy that shuts down the number one target, put him on the number one target. Yeah, I, I could see that. My only worry about that is then you're going to have Andrews on sauce in the run game. Yeah. And, and although sauce is pretty good issue. against the run, he is, but Mark Andrews is a great blocker. Yeah. Like, and that would be a tough ask. Like, for sauce is good against the run and he can get in and make tackles and he's not, you know, uh, worthless in that aspect by any means. But Mark Andrews is a really, really good blocker. He also has like 45 pounds on sauce Gardner and that's going to make a difference. So yeah. I'm. Here's how I view this defensively. You trust your edge defenders in Carl Lawson and Jermaine Johnson to play contain and to try and hold their point of attack on the edge and set the edge. You pray to whatever God that listens (laughs) that your interior defensive line doesn't get steamrolled. Yeah. And that we can have a resurgence from Quinn and Williams and Nathan or, uh, Shepard, right? Am I thinking of him? Yep. Is he so? Yeah. Shepard takes a leap and yeah. And Marshall takes a leap and those guys improve and Rankins, you know, improves his run defense somehow. Mm. You're hoping for that. (laughs) I think you're hoping for a lot. (laughs) Oh, you are hoping for a lot. Yeah. First and foremost, I listen, they're going to have a much better, easier time stopping the pass and stopping the run. It's not hoping anymore. Now you bracket Andrews with Whitehead and how whoever else you decide to bracket Andrews with. You let DJ Reed travel with Bateman, and you put sauce on whoever else is at receiver and blanket them. And hope that you can do enough to keep the Ravens into a run control, dink and dunk team that can't score, that can't score quick or create explosive plays. Offensively, getting to the other side of the ball, you have to 110% without a doubt, no discussion. This is, they do not have a chance at winning. If they do not do this, win down the field throwing, you have to win through the air. There's no, you don't, you're not going to beat the Ravens in a, we're bigger than you contest. You're not going to beat the Ravens in a, we're going to own the line of scrimmage contest. It's not happening. You have to be able to throw the ball on them to back their defense off, to open up some of the run game. Get them to focus on the pass. Get them to focus on Zach Wilson. 
get them to focus on the receivers and back off. Otherwise, I'm telling you this Ravens defense is just going to have seven, eight, nine guys at the line of scrimmage on every play and say, go for it. You're not going to win. So I think this game, this game has forget anything we just talked about defensively. If Zach Wilson doesn't perform, they don't have a shot. Yeah, but that's we we could say that about every game. It's all going to come down to to how Zach performs, because again, this team is built to score points and to play with a lead. So if he doesn't do that, then it it kind of kisses any hope goodbye. Uh, But uh, him performing well against the secondary is also a tough task. We've got the likes of Marcus Peters. Um, Marlon Humphrey I completely freaking forgot they have Chuck Clark. Oh my! And now they have Marcus God. Williams and Kyle Hamilton. And as Kyle well. Hamilton, goodness gracious! So that secondary is is rough. <laughs> so I I hope that they can pass the ball. Uh, but I think they really need to to work on that run game. Uh, work against that that front line. Uh, they do have Calais Campbell, which is definitely a tough task. They just drafted Travis Jones. Uh, but the the linebackers are are maybe on the smaller side. Uh, so if we can get a get a little tough there, maybe maybe we we can do something. Yeah, that's that's going to be the question. The Ravens are the type of team where they just have mammoth people on the interior, so that they can have smaller linebackers behind them to run around and, and shoot gaps. Um, so that makes sense from that aspect for them. For the Jets, it's going to need – the offensive line is going to be tested. I think they'll hold up well enough. I don't think it's going to be a, a complete just stomping. I think the Jets' offensive line will be good enough to, to hold up, get some push in the run game, and create some pockets for Zach Wilson, but they're not going to win every matchup. It's not going to be a, you know an easy domination by any stretch of the imagination. No. And so that's why for me offensively, if you don't – like we've said for so long, if you don't put any fear in this defense, you won't win. And the way you put fear in a defense is with speed and explosive plays. So coming out early, I know the run game is important. I know that's what you're going to want to do. I might come out and empty first play of the game and just say, we're throwing. Uh, we're not scared of your secondary. We're not scared of your defense. We're not just going to try and play ball control and, and be smart. We be the aggressive team, be the aggressor. I, I, there's something I say about uh, football in general, that, that every single game I watch, every single team I watch, it's always something that gets into my head. Who is dictating the game? And when you hear about what that means, what I mean by who is dictating the game, who is just, who is reacting and who is attacking. So if you have a defense like, the 85 bears defense, for instance, there where that defense was so good, so strong, so punishing and so aggressive that you knew that they were going to be blitzing. They were going to be sending extra heat. They were going to be trying to put pressure on quarterbacks and get home. And an aggressive as a way if they can, because of that offenses couldn't just run their normal game plan and say, okay, we're just going to run what we are going to run. And we're going to beat them doing that. It didn't work. They had to adjust their game plan specifically saying, how do we stop this Bears defense from taking over? That is the Bears defense dictating the game. The offense can no longer do what their game plan is. They can no longer stick to their bread and butter. They have to adjust to take advantage of what the defense is deciding. Who is taking control of the game? 
Zach Wilson needs to take control of this game. He, bar none. It has to be a situation where the Ravens defense is looking around going, crap, this guy's good. We can't, you know, this isn't, you know, rookie quarterback anymore. We can't just think that we're going to blanket people up or, or take away some time and, and he'll make a mistake. You know, we got to really be on it. We got to respect this guy. If they don't, there's no shot. So I, the Jets haven't had an offense that has dictated games in decades, quite literally decades. They have the talent now. They, they have the skill talent now. They, they can dictate a game like we were saying before, before the draft when they needed another speed guy and now they got Garrett Wilson. They can dictate an, a, a defense by saying, we're going to get in our 12 personnel set. We're going to have our two speed freaks on the outside. And if you load the box, we're throwing over your head. And if you back off, we're running the ball. That is an offense dictating the game. If the Jets offense cannot dictate the game, this is going to be a very long week one. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, but I think overall it is going to be a good season. I think we're going to see improvement, and I'm excited to see how the summer progresses uh, with these training camp battles. The Jets training camp is going to be a hell of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the best rom-com uh, is uh, One <laughs> <Yeah>. Death Drive. <laughs> oh, God. Extend Michael Carter right now. Just like, <laughs> just give him any amount of money he wants. He wants to be the GM? Cool. Sorry, Joe Douglas. Not, not your job anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, we love Michael Carter. We love a lot of guys on this team. We're very hopeful. Matt, any parting shots before we get out of here? Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's stop making excuses and start just getting behind these guys and and hoping for the best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No more excuses. Put up or shut up. Um, stay hopeful. Stay confident. Stay optimistic because we do have reason to be all of those things. But don't get too wrapped up in the hope and remember that this is still a process but it's going to be fun to watch i'm excited for the summer um excited to get to the actual season itself um and get to breaking down games again i miss doing score predictions i don't know about you but i miss being wrong every week i i'm gonna be perfect this year i'm I'm gonna say it now i'm holding you to that (laughs) i'm holding you to that may 12th uh 9 54 p.m Uh, Matt said he's going to be perfect in 2022. So we will come back every week uh, when the season starts and we will check back his record from there. Uh, (laughs) I wish Vitor was here because he was the only one of us that could actually could predict games. Um, (laughs) And, and he would have a lot to say about you saying you were going to be perfect, but hopefully we can get him back soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Make sure you guys are following at OKD Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can find Matt over there at Zazzy Jets. I stole his outro because he said he was going to be perfect. (laughs) Thank you guys again so much for listening. And we will be back real soon. Bye-bye.